Thank you for listening to Tahlequah First United Methodist Church's sermon podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go online at tahlequahumc.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Please pray with me. Most gracious God, as we come now to settle in, to hear your word, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditations on my heart and the thoughts in my mind give you the glory to reach your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. And the heading, the title of this is Feeding of the 5,000. Hear these words. After this, Jesus went across the Galilee Sea, that is, the Tiberias Sea. A large crowd followed him because they had seen the miraculous signs he had done among the sick. Jesus went up a mountain and sat there with his disciples. It was nearly time for Passover, the Jewish festival. Jesus looked up and saw the large crowd coming toward him, and he asked Philip, Where will we buy food to feed these people? Jesus said, We buy food. I'm sorry, Jesus said this to test him, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, More than a half year's salary worth of food wouldn't be enough for each person to have even a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, A youth here have, has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that for a crowd like this? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass there. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread. When he had given thanks, he distributed it to those who were sitting there. He did the same with the fish, each getting as much as they wanted. And when they had plenty to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that had been left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw this, saw that he had done a miraculous sign, they said, This is truly the prophet who is coming into the world. Jesus understood that they were about to come and force him to be their king. So he took refuge again, alone, on a mountain. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Tom, I believe there's a video on there, but I'm going to skip the video because... I promised a bunch of angels that I wouldn't drag on too much to this morning. So I'm trying to keep my promise. I have to admit, when Pastor Matt asked me to preach on November the 18th, I said, you got to be kidding, right? You know what this weekend is? And he said, it'll be fine. He said, this scripture's right up your alley. It's the end of the sermon series on the art of neighboring, And he said, I need to be out of town, and you know all about this scripture. I said, what scripture is it? He said, feeding the 5,000. You do that. You can do that. And I said, oh, I think I can. 
Good idea. I should be able to preach on this. And just last night, when I was here helping the youth with Angel Tree, and I cooked six pounds of bacon and, and three pounds of onion, and, and Lindsay's standing beside me, and Trevor's in his little wheelchair because his knees hurt, and he's fixing the cookies on the pan. I thought, feeding, feeding them. Now, mind you, I don't in reality on Wednesdays at Wesley feed 5,000. I really, we really only cook and serve before 250 to 300. But I have to tell you, and my helpers will agree to this, that by 2 o'clock Wednesday, it feels close to 5,000 people. It just does. But it's a joy and it's a blessing. So Thanksgiving is this Thursday. And today I want to talk to you about our thankfulness for the abundance that we have to share. I, I read a story the other day about this woman who was hosting a dinner party. And at the table she asked her six-year-old daughter to say grace. But I wouldn't know what to say, the little girl responded. Just say what you hear mommy say, replied the mother. The little girl nodded. She bowed her head, she put her hands together, and she prayed, Dear Lord, why in the world did I invite all these people to dinner? <laughs> our Friendsgiving was Wednesday night at the Wesleyan, and uh, our, our helpers were invited, and, and one of them was sitting beside me, and she said, So how many is here? And I said, 22. She said, we have a lot more during the day. Why didn't you invite them? I said, I didn't advertise this. I didn't advertise this. Just a few here and there to come together as a potluck to celebrate. So I can relate. I think many of us can identify with that mother. The routine of cleaning and maintaining all our stuff zaps our energy from things that bring us joy. The pressure mounts and we get frustrated. We get tired and we get irritable. We look around at the demands on us and say, Oh Lord, why in the world is this on my shoulders? Now certainly Jesus felt that kind of pressure. Everywhere he went, crowds pressed in on him, demanding of his attention and his time. Today's passage tells the story of Jesus leaving the crowds behind to find some time alone. Mark's account of this story in chapter 6 of his gospel tells us that Jesus has compassion on the crowds and he taught them. Then as the day drew to a close, Jesus seemed to make an impossible decision to feed all these people. Then Jesus and his disciples are faced with a ridiculous task. I believe that from that Jesus' response, we can draw two principles for facing up the pressure of life. The principles of being thankful and the principle of living in abundance. John 6, 1 through 10 sets us up for the story. Jesus said, and his disciples are in the midst of their great Galilean ministry. While the other gospels focus on the period of Jesus' ministry, the gospel of John spends relatively little time on it. In the midst of this ministry, Jesus takes his disciples apart for a break. And then the crowds begin to appear. I love how John states it. Then Jesus lifted his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him. 
it's like a scene out of a movie. It reminded me of how many times I grab our, our volunteers who help us on Wesley Wednesday and at noon or about five after when they're lined out the door and to the fence. I say, hurry, come look. Come look. They're all out here lined up waiting. I'm so excited that they've come to get a free meal at the Wesley. I'm not sure the volunteers are that excited. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's good. As they go back in to hurry to cook more. With a grateful heart and a thankful heart, they do it with no complaint at all. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus challenges Philip with a question. Where shall we buy bread? But then John informs his readers, but rather with Philip, Jesus knew the miracle that was coming. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was saying. That's his divine right as the Son of God. But it's not our privilege. We're like Philip. Face with the crowds and ask the impossible question. Where do we buy bread to feed all these people? Philip despairs in verse 7, but then Andrew comes on the scene in verse 8. And Andrew says, hey, there's a small boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But that's all he has. So Andrew too despairs, saying, what are those among all of these people? Jesus teaches them a great, great lesson. This lesson is so important that this lesson slash miracle is recorded in all four Gospels. The only other lesson slash miracle that is in all four Gospels is the resurrection. Jesus instructs the disciples to direct the crowds to sit down. I imagine an air of excited anticipation. Perhaps a hush fell over the crowd as they nestled in the grass, fixing their eyes on Jesus. Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks. This seems like an insignificant detail, but I want to point something out here. Jesus gives us a clue. John gives us a clue that something more important is going on here. You see in John, if you'll read along in chapter 10, verse 23, we read, Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Not near the place where the Lord miraculously fed 5,000, nor near the place where the Lord worked a great wonder, but near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. You see, that was what was important to John about this miracle, was not the miracle feeding, but rather the lesson that Jesus taught about thanksgiving. Working in a ministry of feeding hungry people all the time, I have come to notice a couple observations about the principle of thanksgiving. First, be thankful for what you have. Jesus gives thanks for the five loaves and the two fish. The miracle hasn't happened. He offers thanksgiving for the blessing that is at hand. Jesus knows full well what is going to come, but his disciples and the watching crowd don't know that. All they see is Jesus offering thanks for a meager meal. The college students that I work with on a daily basis teach me about thankfulness. They talk to me about how they can give back. They have no money to give to the daily expense to keeping the doors open. But they are there to show their gratitude. This is where I believe gratitude is more action than emotion. I find myself crippled by this at times. I, don't, I just don't feel thankful. But notice that Jesus 
didn't talk about feeling thankful. He pronounced thanks for God's provisions. So often my prayers are characterized by requests, when really, when really they should be characterized by praise and thanksgiving. The very act of expressing thankfulness makes us more aware of blessing that we receive. And by the way, that thing we do before meals when we pray, that is returning thanks, not blessing the food. The food is already God's blessing for us. We're simply returning thanks to God for God's provision of it. In addition to the principle of thankfulness, there's a principle of abundance at play in this text. Let me point out that there's a, it's not a hard connection between the two. The abundance is not a direct result of the thankfulness. I don't want any of you thinking this is a formula. Rather, we receive abundantly through God's good pleasure and the abundant blessing comes in God's own time. God's abundance comes in unexpected ways. None of the gospel writers gives us any idea how the miracle happened. Did it miraculously reconstitute itself as it was passed around? Did it stretch as each person tore off a hunk? Was it placed in the baskets that suddenly filled to the rim? Did it fall from the sky and just drop into the baskets? Certainly the disciples didn't see it coming. When we saw the same truth in the turning water into the wine at the wedding at Cana, we saw it again when the whole town of Samaritans came out and believed on the testimony of a woman. When Jesus provides abundantly, he often does so through unexpected means. Our challenge then is to keep our minds open enough to receive the abundant blessing when it comes. I look at the scripture lesson and think about how the disciples took the broken pieces and distributed them and discovered that there was plenty for everybody. You see, as we are his disciples today, we are distributors, not manufacturers. Let me repeat that. As we are his disciples today, we are distributors, not manufacturers. If we give what we have to God, God will bless and give it back to us for use in feeding others. I know that God's abundance is not to be wasted. Notice Jesus' instruction in verse 12. He tells his disciples to gather up the fragments that nothing might be wasted. That is a fundamental principle of abundance, not wasting what you have. There is a fundamental sense of good stewardship involved. And I wondered about that when we moved 18 years ago onto our property and our next door neighbor was there and we didn't have water hooked up yet. And he said, you know, we'll run a water hose across the yard. You can use our water until your water's hooked up. I said, it may be three or four days, big deal. He said, this will at least help with running a toilet, flushing a toilet or running a sink of, for dishes. I had never met them before, but their neighborly love came out. My son to this day still calls the woman Nani, and I said, is that really her name? Well, I don't know. That's what I've called her for 18 years. I don't know if that's her real name or not. Beautiful neighborly love. We all have it. I've told this story before, and I'll close with this story. My very first year of Angel Tree... 
I had a little boy's gifts. He was five. And he lived in Hulbert on a country road. Now this was about 14 years ago. And so I'd went to the post office on Christmas Eve, and it was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I knocked on the back door, and I said, I know you're closed, but I've got to find this address. I've got a trunk full of presents for this little boy, and he didn't pick up, they, the mom didn't pick them up, and I don't know where to go. Well, this was before GPS, and he said, okay, you go down this road, and then you take a right, and then you go past, the, past this sign, and you take a left, and I thought, oh, I'm never going to find it. But I drove for about an hour and a half. And as I drove, I was looking and looking, and suddenly this elderly man came out and stood by the, his, his mailbox, and he said, Lady, can I help you? And I said, I've just been looking for this address. And I said, and I can't seem to find it. And I said, and I have some Christmas gifts that I know that they, they should have before tomorrow. And he said, well, I'll be darned. That's their trailer. I said, somebody lives in that? It was boarded up. Windows were boarded up. I didn't see any stairs to get into a door. He said, yes, ma'am, they do. A woman and a little boy, the little boy who's five. I said, I have his Christmas gifts. He said, where from? I told him who I was and what the youth had raised money for and that the daddy was in prison and I had the money, that I had his name and I had the notes on the Christmas presents, and I just really wanted to get them to him, but I had to get back for church service, and if she was not there, could I leave him with him? He stared at all these presents, and he said, that little boy is in my house. I said, really? I said, what are we going to do? And I look at him, and he has a tear coming down his face, and he said, the mama, you know where the mama is? I said, no. He said, uh, the mom is trying to find money, going to try to get a loan, small loan, to buy something for him to have for Christmas in the morning. I said, well, look. He said, man, God does really work, doesn't he? I said, yes, sir, he does. He said, he had a cowboy hat on and overalls and cowboy boots. He goes, Let's take him to the barn and hide him from him. I said, I said, okay, where do I go? He says, drive back here. Come on. And we drove back there, and he said, I just can't believe this. And the tears are coming. He goes, I can't wait to tell my wife. She's in there making him cookies. I just can't believe this is happening. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I said, it's all from the daddy. And I said, it's all from the daddy. Well, daddy didn't do none of this. The daddy's in prison. I said, mm-mm. I said, God used us. I said, for the daddy. Mm-mm, it's not from us. This is the miracle. He said, indeed, it is a miracle. I can't wait for her to get home. He said, look at all those pretty presents. He said, this little boy deserves this. Thank you, he said. Thank you, preacher, for my Christmas miracle today. And I said, no, thank you, sir, for sharing this blessing. So in closing, feed them. I hear that a lot. Feed them. What are we going to feed them? What are we going to feed them? I text this to my daughter and to one of my friends Friday night when I was working on the service. And as you go today and through this week and share your meals with your family and your loved ones, I want you to carry this on your heart and on your mind. 
Feed them with your time. Feed them with your money. Feed them with your service. Feed them with your compassion. But most of all, wonderful, wonderful community, family of faith, feed them with your love. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to Tahlequah First Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. If you'd love to join us in person, we worship at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. And you can find out more information about us by going online at tahlequahumc.org.